Amen. We're so glad to have you guys here with us this morning, and uh, we're thankful, there you go, uh, that you guys are here today. Uh, man, Tanner did a great job in filling in last week for me, and a great message, and uh, we are in the Gospel of Luke today, though. Uh, we've been walking through, for those of you that are new, uh, we do something really crazy here. We just preach the Bible. And uh, we walk verse by verse through the Bible and tell you about Jesus. And we've been in a journey uh, now, what seems like for some of you, like 10 to 20 years, uh, but it's really not been that long. But we're going through the Gospel of John. It's a long book. And anyway, we are getting our, our half, about halfway through there. But here's what we've been discovering every week uh, for over a year now, is that God has a plan for your life. He really does have a plan for your life. And every week, we unpeel another little piece of that onion and help you discover, oh, man, I didn't see that. That's what God's been trying to do in my life. And every week we're going to give you a little another piece of that to help you put it together. And so you can help be a parent, so you can deal with being your, your spouse uh, when you're a teenager, knowing you know, what I'm going to do. God has a plan. And you got to know it. He really does want to bless you with a cool life, and, and, uh, and he has a plan for that life. So speaking of that, um, today we dive into this morning's message. Uh, are you, is there anything in your life that you're just not good at? Is there things in your life that you are not a natural at? It just doesn't come easy for you. Let me confess and start with mine. Uh, what I'm not a natural at is understanding music. Now, I can play a radio, or whatever is my phone now, uh, and I can do that. But, you know, when Tanner gets all happy up here sometimes, and on occasion, you know, he gets us to, and he just says, I want you all to clap. Don't ever turn around and look at me. <laughs> because I do not, seriously, sincerely, I mean, I'm not joking or kidding, I don't get it. And I love to clap, and I love the music, and, some, and only me and Jesus enjoy it, but I don't hear beat. I don't know if you can hear that. I don't hear tone or tune or whatever that thing is, and I certainly don't hear rhythm. I don't know if you can hear rhythm, but I don't. And so I just clap like this, and, and I just, I don't get it. I can't follow it. I watch you all do it, but it just, seriously, I, it just makes my skin crawl. I don't know, I don't know what you all are hearing that I'm not, but I'm just not a natural. I love music, and I love worship. I love what we're doing here, but I just don't, I do my own thing, okay? Uh, and y'all do your thing, I do mine, and so, but Jesus enjoys me doing my thing, and he laughs. Uh, anyway, and so, uh, but uh, what, are, what else are you not natural at? Now, some of you uh, are not natural at several things. Uh, there's some of you that are, are not natural, uh, not to, you know, call any of you all out, but we have a retired PE teacher in our church, and she heads up our senior citizens ministry, and yet, she raised two children who are not natural athletes. And I mean, she's like the, you know, general commander PE teacher where you do calisthenics and do all that. And her two children, and, you know, we don't want to call Kevin and Keena out by name, but uh, anyway, they are the most unsports, non-natural sports people I've ever met in my life, and uh, she epically failed them. So anyway, uh, that's true, so uh, uh, it is what it is. Some of you are not good at, at natural at being on stage and doing public stuff. Now that hit us. 
I guarantee you, if I asked some of y'all to come up on stage right now, y'all would just literally, uh, you know, you would have a seizure. You, you know, it would just wig you out to come up here. Uh, when Samantha came up, couldn't even get her son to come up with Anyway, uh, uh, to join the church. So we, you just don't like being on stage. Some of y'all not natural with that. Uh, we have a guy in a first service, Chris Foster. He works for the city, and he is literally terrified. A few months ago, when we were having a couple's retreat, I don't know why, and don't ask me about this because I won't, but during the Tanner and um, Ashley's fun time, they had a group sing, It's Raining Men. I don't want to know. I, I still can't, can't figure it out, but they were up on stage, and Chris got up there, and he, literally sweat was pouring off of him, and he was a, one of the backup singers. It was hilarious just being in front of people. He was dying. Uh, anyway, so some of y'all agree with that when it's not natural to be up on stage, not public speaking, and all that kind of stuff, and then there's other things things that you guys are just not natural at. Some of you, and I, you know, I've been here a long time, so some of you are not natural at being nice. <laughs> it just doesn't hit your forte. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Uh, some of you uh, are not. <laughs> don't hit your spouse. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, some of you are not natural at being happy. There's just some of you all that are Baptist people that if Jesus come back, you're like, what have you been waiting on? Uh, anyway, you're just not going to be happy no matter. Uh, you're late. Uh, anyway, you're just not going to be happy. So some of y'all, uh, different things that we're not natural at, that we all struggle. So Blaine and I, my wife and I, we have this huge discussion. Does any marriage other than mine have discussions? Uh, anyway, and so we have this discussion uh, every night, and my wife and I have a difference of opinion um, when we go to bed at night, she wants it pitch black dark. Her motto is, I want it dark as the pit. Well, never mind. But anyway, you get the idea. And so she, she, she likes it, you know, dark, you know. And she, you know, her big argument is, is that Jesus turned out the lights, you know, and it's nighttime. So that's what we should do. And um, I, we have a TV in our bedroom. And I, I can't go to sleep without the TV on. And now listen, don't make fun of me. I'm not scared of the dark. It's what's in the dark, okay? It's not, it's not that I'm scared of the dark, but it's just what's in the dark. And so I, so anyway, so we have this whole thing that is not natural, and she argues that it is, you know, anyway, so about nighttime. Then we had this whole other discussion, argument, uh, discussion, and, and, and this is another big thing of ours, is that she's like Miss Social Butterfly, like, my wife, uh, she's doing children's church right now in the second service, but if you want to meet with her afterwards and talk for 16 hours, she would love that. She, like, gets her battery charged the more she talks and the more she hangs out with you all, and she's just like, oh, and, you know, they needed help, and so I talked and talked and talked while I'm at home starving to death. And anyway, uh, so she, uh, not that I'm griping, but anyway, she loves being a pastor's wife. She loves doing all that stuff. And, you know, me, I mean, I love you all, but two hours, I'm done. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and so, you know, I just want to go home. Uh, and, and anyway, uh, she just, you know, that's, but here's the interesting thing, Mike. It just drives me insane. There's a little bit of hypocrisy here. This is between me and you because she's not in here. Is she, when we go to a new place or we go visit another church or we go do whatever, any kind of public social gathering, Miss Social Butterfly, wants to talk to everybody and chatty Kathy. When we go into a new place, she freaks out. She doesn't know anybody. 
She will literally, Kevin, shove me in the door of another church, in the door. Uh, anybody else like that when you go into a new place that it's unnatural for you to go into that place and feel comfortable and you're like, where do I sit? And you know, anybody else, raise your hand if you feel unnatural around other people, other churches. Raise your hand if you feel unnatural and not comfortable. That sort of wigs you out when you're here. All right, all y'all people that raise your hand, I've been wanting to do this for a long time as pastor, so I'm fixing to bust, bust up right in here. All right, you ready? If you all raise your hand that you feel uncomfortable when you walk into a new place, then John Brown, move in on our rows so that the new people don't have to climb over you and they feel natural when they come in. Ooh, I feel better. All right. So anyway, I've been wanting to do that. Thank you. I love you all. Aren't you glad I'm back? So, all right. So here's the thing is that there's a lot of things in our life that we're... I'm getting fired. There's a lot of things in our life that uh, we're not natural at. Now, this is going to sound crazy to you all. But you know what we're not natural, what is not natural, is to pray. What's not natural is to pray. And you're going, that gun, we need a new preacher. You know, he don't even I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm just arguing, and we're going to see it in our text today, that the disciples back me up on this. The disciples, it's not natural to pray. Now think with me through this before you jump off the, the ledge here. I'll guarantee you, the majority of you in this room are not good at praying. You, if you're honest, it's not natural. And think through the logic of it. You're praying to a being that is present with you in the room when you're praying. If you're a Christian, you're praying to a being that is present with you in the room, but you can't see them. Tell me if that's not freaky weird, don't it? That's weird. Think about it. That's not natural. And so no wonder we sort of suck at this thing at praying. It's just sort of weird. And then take it to another level. We're praying, in reality, to a celestial being, God, the only reason we even know about him is because he told us in his word who he is. If that's just not freaky, I don't know what else is. You go tell anybody else on that in the street, and they're going to think you're nuts. Praying is not natural. Now, listen to me this morning. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray and that it's weird and all that. I'm just saying this arguing is not natural. Matter of fact, the disciples are going to make that argument in the text today. So here's what I want you. If the devil's been beating you up and you really do stink at praying and you're not very good at being able to focus and just get this whole praying thing down, I want you to know, join the crowd. Praying is not natural. So what do we do about that? We do what the disciples did about it. Here's what they asked Jesus. They prayed this and said to these words. Uh, well, let me give you this quote first of all. Dr. Danny Aiken, Old Testament, New Testament scholar, he backs me up on this. Write this down. Prayer is not natural. This is what he says about our text. Effective prayer has to be taught and learned. Isn't that good? This is it. So where none of us are good at prayer, affect, so don't beat yourself up. So I'm not here today to make you feel guilty about prayer. I want to help you get better with prayer. And that's exactly what the disciples asked Jesus. So here's what you're going to see in the text today. This is their exact ask. They say to Jesus, look with me this morning, Lord, teach us to pray. 
Anybody in here like to do better at prayer? Anybody with me this morning? All right, we're going to say this on the count of three. All right? We're going to pray this out loud so you all are on the line. This isn't about me anymore. This is about you. You're going to pray, say this out loud to God. He's listening. Lord, teach me to pray, and then I'm just going to help you with the word. Okay? So you ready? Do you all want to know how to pray better? Let's say it out loud. On the count of three, I want the whole audience. Uh, this is your um, chance to say all this. You ready? On the count of three, we're going to say this out loud together. One, two, three. Lord... Teach us to pray. Awesome. Good job. And so that is what we're going with this sermon this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 11. We're going to see in this paragraph that the Lord is going to answer that disciple's prayer. And I believe he's going to answer what you just prayed right now in your heart and your life. Now, here's the setting and the context uh, for the passage this morning. Some scholars argue and in the context of this passage, that Jesus is in the uh, Mount of Olives, and, and we know that this place, the Mount of Olives, if you remember, if you've been in church for a while, you remember that the Mount of Olives is where Jesus got, a, excuse me, got arrested right before he was crucified. I've had the privilege of being in that garden. It's a, uh, just olive trees. It's incredible. It overlooks the city of Jerusalem on this hill. It's an incredible, so just, if you will, join with me there. So Jesus has been praying, Josh, all night, and the disciples were always frustrated with Jesus in prayer. So here's how it would play out. For three years now, they've been hanging out with Jesus, and ever so, I mean, oftentimes, every morning, sometime during the day, Jesus would just steal away from them. And they're like, where's Jesus? Dude, we need to go to KFC. Um, I don't know if they eat chicken or not. Anyway, uh, we need to go eat beef. And so uh, we, we've got to steal away, and we've got to go, you know, and, and we've got to go talk to these people. Where's Jesus at? And you could just hear Peter going, he's praying again. He's over there praying again. And so the disciples are sort of frustrated, and, and so you could just picture in their mind, and you remember what happened in the garden? Remember the story? The, 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 uh, the Roman guard came, and what were the disciples doing when Jesus was praying? They were what? Like you all in my sermon, they were asleep. And so they were asleep, and they couldn't pray, and so now they're just frustrated. They don't pray like Jesus, and so y'all ever been there? And, and isn't it amazing? This is your answer. We ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. It's not that rocket science, Bubba. Jesus, teach us to pray like you do, dude. How do we learn how to do this? Because we want what you do and how you get this. And so that's all you guys are doing. We can do this. Are you with me this morning? We can learn how to pray. That's what they asked Jesus. And so Jesus says these words to them. Look with me in the text. Now Jesus praying in a certain place. I believe it was uh, Mount of Olives. Everybody else is wrong. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, you with me? Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, Jesus responds, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Y'all ever, ever heard this? Your kingdom come. What do we call it? Lord's Prayer. We're going to change that in a minute. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said unto them, Which of you have a friend going to him at midnight, saying to him, Friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. In other words, don't wake up the kids. Quit asking for help. 
I got the kids finally down. Do not make a sound. Do not wake this house up. Young couples in the room, you got that? All right, so you can understand why the neighbor's ticked off. And he says, uh, and I cannot give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence. All right, let me just stop there. All right, Kevin Tudor, please stand up and tell everybody what impudence means. <laughs> okay, uh, it's probably not going to happen. But anyway, uh, so uh, anybody in here want to venture into that? I love the ESV. This is what we preach out of, and 99.9% .9 of the time, it is the best on-the-mark translation that I've ever come across. Love it. Uh, authentic, you know, true to the original language. But here, I think they missed the mark. Uh, most of you have no idea what impudence means. I had to look it up as well. And so here's what impudence means so you get, because I, the, the, the important part of the Bible is we understand it. It doesn't do us any good if it goes over our head. So here's what the word impudence means. It means a fiery persistence. So that makes a whole different meaning to this. He says, he gets up and answers because you will not stop knocking. A fiery persistence, I need help. And he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, and he asks, and he will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Notice there the connotations that just fit with that definition of impudence. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if he has a son, asks for a fish instead of a fish, give him a serpent. If he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, this is good, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus doesn't hesitate to answer the disciples' request, Lord, teach us to pray. We often call this in church history the Lord's Prayer. I would beg to differ, and many of us in the last 50 years in scholarship would contend that that's probably a misnomer in the namage. If you really want to get technical, I'm not going to go to war over this, but if you want to get technical, the Lord's Prayer is John 17. The Lord prays over us. And in true interpretive uh, fashion, that is the Lord's Prayer. This in our opinion, should be called the model prayer. This is an example of how you pray. So anyway, just take that home with you, no charge. And so what we're talking about this morning is a pattern, a model for us to follow. So get your notes out. You ready? We're going to dive right into the practicality of this text today. And so we're going to help you. The Lord's going to speak into your hearts. You all have asked. Lord, teach us to pray. You want to know how to do that? Here we go. Number one, Jesus sets a pattern of prayer for us to follow. Write that down. So if you guys really want to get better at your prayer life, understand this answer from Jesus is a pattern of prayer for you to follow. You guys can do this. This is how you get better at your prayer life. It's kind of like if you were in the computer, a template. This is how we do this. So, as he begins this pattern of reminder for what you're talking to, here's what he says. He said unto them, look at the text, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We're going to address both of those. Let's start with the first little phrase here. Father, hallowed be your name. The Greek term here for Father is translated Abba. Now, some have carried it further than what I would want to go and, you know, like, you know, you can say, hey, Daddy. Uh, I don't think it really has that connotation. That's a little weird to me. But it does have the idea of praying 
to a father. And I know some of you all have bad examples of father, uh, and you need to let that go. But here's the way God designed for you to look at your father. And you understand, look at me this morning. I don't care how mean and how awful, and I understand your pain, trust me. Your dad was. Jesus is not that. Your father loves you unconditionally, and he is a good, good father. So let it go and run to Jesus. Now here's the way kids grew up with a good father, and here's how we looked at our dad. We looked as a kid, you look at your dad with innocence, you just believe he's perfect. You look at your dad uh, with dependence, dad, I need your help. If, if I got a problem, I depend on dad to fix it for me and to bail that out. You with me this morning? And then admiration. You know what? I think my dad can do anything. My dad can catch the biggest fish. My dad's my hero. And so a kid, now a teenager, you realize they're not going to look at you that way. You remember what Mark Twain said, when your kids become teenager, put them in a barrel and then stick them, fill up the hole in the barrel. Anyway, and so, so that's advice. But anyway, but as a kid, as a kid, they look at you as a dad, as that innocence, dependence, and admiration. And that's what he's saying. That's how I want you to come in prayer. I want you to look at your heavenly father as innocent going, man, I can't do this. I need your help. Dependent upon you to help me out and admiration that I believe you can do anything And so if you begin your prayer like that, I'm telling you it's a game changer Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. This is all about changing your attitude of how you begin your prayer This is this is why you fail at prayer is because we're not having this mentality the devil lies to you And the devil tells you that your father doesn't want to hear from you anymore You've messed up again, Terry. You felt, this is the 13th time. I'm sick of listening to you. Don't come with me that anymore. Some of you grew up with an earthly father that treated you like that. I'm telling you, that is a lie from hell, and you've got to quit listening to that. I'm talking about a father who longs to hear you come to him in innocence, independence, and admiration that he is your personal father. Somebody say amen. That's who he is. I've been called a lot of things <laughs> by a lot of you. And um, there's some of those things we can't say in church <laughs> uh, that you have all called me. Uh, I know what y'all are saying. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's not how great and cool I am. Uh, but anyway, uh, you guys have said a lot of things about me over the years. You all have a lot of opinions about me. That's a public life that I enjoy. Yay. Uh, and so when you're on stage, you're just going to be the target. So I know you all talk about me. And it really bothers me deeply. So I'm going to go straight to sleep tonight. Uh, so the truth of the matter is, I know I get caught a lot of things. That's just part of it. I'm doing what Jesus called me to do. This is all you get, baby. So, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, and so it is what it is. He called me. And so, but you know what my favorite things? Over the years, I've been called a lot of things. And uh, in the church world, this church family, you know, you all have different names depending on your personality. Uh, probably uh, some of you. A little more proper, a little bit more traditional, Reverend Terry, you know, Reverend Pierce. That's cool. You know, you want to do that? I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but the majority of you say something of this nature. You call me Brother Terry. Or some of you that are sort of in between the two, Pastor Terry. 
So those are names that I get called all the time, you know, whatever. Uh, now, um, if I was more of, you know, and some of you are Hispanic, you call me Padre. So anyway, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, so uh, I'll be this way. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't went there. But anyway, uh, the, uh, there's... Uh, <laughs> If you were more of a Catholic background, uh, you know, you would call me Father Terry. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so that's a little weird for me. Uh, the, uh, but, uh, and then if, I was, if you're really Catholic background and I was higher up in the movement, uh, you would call me your eminence. Kiss the ring. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just... <laughs> I'm not a kiss the ring kind of guy. Just, yeah, so I know Angela's always wanted to call me your eminence, but it's just, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, so that's probably not, yeah, Amanda's definitely wanting to do that. Anyway, uh, Amanda's name for me is Cat Hater. But anyway, uh, so you all have different names that you call me. Uh, I get called a lot of things, and that's cool. Uh, over the years, I've been called the chairman of the board of the trustees for Welch College for seven years. Uh, I was called chairman of the board for American Family Association for three years. I've been called a lot of names. Names, but honestly, none of those ring my bell. You know what I love? There's three names that are above all the names that I've been called, and this is what I live for. There's only one lady on the planet that calls me her husband, and more importantly, she calls me babe. And with all due respect, I know that's gross for y'all teenagers, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they're gagging now. Uh, the, uh, but the truth of the matter is, there's only one woman on this planet that's allowed me to call babe. And I love that. That's just me and her. That's our thing. There are only three people on this planet that are allowed to say these words. And I love these words, James, is they call me dad. We men don't get real emotional very often, but there ain't nothing like being called dad. It's so cool. Way more important than the chairman of the board. And then now, there's four people, two and under, that have a whole new name that I just discovered two years ago. Oh, and it's a game changer. And they call me Papa T. <laughs> and when they look up at me, they believe that every problem they have in their life, Papa T walks on water. Don't tell them any different. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know what a dork your pastor is. But they think I hung the moon. And every problem they have, they run to Papa T. They just believe in me. They believe I literally can hang, handle anything that, ha that they come up against. And matter of fact, if they come to me and say, this is a problem in my life, I, no hesitation, I will stop whatever I'm doing and I will move heaven and earth for them because I adore them. That's the way you all pray to the God of the universe. He's your father. You're his child, and he loves you unconditionally, and you've got to quit listening to the liar and the devil that says enough. 
If I've learned anything from my discipleship group and they've poured into me this year, and my guys have taught me this year that one of our biggest failures and frustration is, is the devil lies to us and we think God doesn't want to hear about my problems again. I, I, you know, I'm just a stupid sheep and God's tired and he's impatient with me. And God, How many of you, I tell you what, my boys grew up in this church and they grew up in this community and they did a lot of good stuff and they did some cool things and then they did some really stupid things. Because one of them sitting back there. Not that I'm pointing it out, but anyway, and they did. <laughs> I'm looking at Nashville and North Carolina too, because I'm you watching. Anyway, and so they did some really stupid things. And all the things that they did growing up in their lives in this church, because they hung around with you all sinners, kids. And, and so all these things that they did in this church, in this community, and all this stuff, good, bad, and ugly, you, you know what? There's never been a day, Mark. There's never been a day. Then when they didn't say that, even in the most down, dark times, and there were some of those that they didn't say, Dad, we want to come home. We need your help. There was never a time when I said, I'm too busy. I'm done with you, or I'm too tired. I ran to them. I ran to them because they're my boys. They call me Dad. And I'll always be there to love them. Folks, why are you not praying to your father? Why are you running away from the only person who has ever loved you unconditionally as you are? You all are looking for satisfaction. You're looking for fulfillment and you're looking for love from a variety of sources in your life and friends and family and all the rest of it. Look at me this morning. It's time to let your past be healed. There is only one person that loves you unconditionally who created you in his image, and he loves you as you are. Run to him. Pray to him. It is time that we trust God and ask boldly. Pray. Pray. This is the pattern that Jesus wants us to pray in. And so we come to this place, and here's what I want you to learn. Write this principle down. This opening remark of how you begin your prayer time, talking to your Father, sets a proper tone for our spirit as we begin our prayer. I'm convinced, after studying this text and my own personal experience, the reason I'm not good at prayer, the reason you struggle is not natural with prayer, is because of this principle. We allow the devil to rob us of the love that the Father has for us. Father, hallowed be your name. You get in the text? Isn't that good? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. So now I want to give you this pattern outline because I may not finish all this this morning. And so let me just give you the pattern that I think he's saying here in this first verse. First of all, give reverence to God the Father. So this is your pattern, the model prayer. Remember, not the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Give reverence to God the Father. We got that sorted down now because that's a game changer. You can't skip to get to number three. You got to go through number one. Number two is submit to God's agenda for the world. I'm going to come and hit that one next. And then do not hesitate to ask for your needs to be met. I'm convinced 
that we're pretty good about coming to God and we, do, and we jump the gun. How many of us go to God like a Walmart shopping list and I need number three? This is what I'm going on. Our economy's bad. I need blah, blah, blah. I need this. The reason y'all are getting mad at God, quitting church and leaving the faith is because you go to number three first. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. I must not be like Brother Terry or whatever. Y'all skip the first two. You can't get and have God meet your needs until you begin with understanding who you're talking to. You understand the reverence there. I'm acknowledging the Father. Number two, submit to God's agenda for the world. All right, now here's what it looks like in your life. Uh, we're going to cover that. There's a man in New Guinea, Africa, in a Muslim country, and his name is Solomon. Solomon, actually, but it's, we'll call him Solomon. And anyway, he uh, recently got saved. I was reading about him in Voice of the Martyrs. If you ever really want to get deeper into how difficult Christianity is, uh, every week I get an email from Voice of the Martyrs about the persecuted church. And Solomon is one of these guys that got saved from a missionary in New Guinea, Africa, in Muslim community. And when the Muslim community found out, David, that he had gotten saved, they made him marry a devout Muslim woman because they wanted to turn him from his Christian faith. And when he didn't follow and denounced Christianity, they ordered her to kill him. They'd already had a little son. And she takes a knife and she stabs. This was on our weekly prayer request this week. And she just stabs him multiple times. Somehow, Solomon in New Guinea survives his wife, Muslim, stabbing him. They demand that his son have a, uh, a desecrating practice of the Muslim community for his son, and he says, no, we're not going to do that. They try to kill him again. He escapes out of New Guinea, Africa, and to go live with a missionary. Now, here's the problem. How do you say to him that, listen, you get saved and follow Christ and go to Connect Church, that your life's going to be great and everything's going to work out for you? He just lost everything and was nearly murdered for doing the right thing and following Christ. Do you know y'all come to me and you say to me all the time, and I get it, and welcome. I'm glad that's what I'm here for. But you all every week come to me and say, listen, I'm not happy. Basically, what you're saying is with the way my life turned out and the way that God's working in my life. My husband just got sick, and he's got cancer, and he's going to die. My kids have run away from the faith, they're, they're not living and following Christ. I brought them to Connect Church like you did. Why do my kids go south and, you know, and all that? Uh, you know, my spouse doesn't treat me like she should. Uh, I'm a teenager, and I've been trying to follow, and Andrew yells at us every Wednesday night, and all this is going, the, the teenage ministry is exploding, but my life sucks. So how do you explain my misery and my pain? Do we not do that? And, and, and so the answer is to Solomon, you don't tell him, well, you just pray and everything's good and just, be, you know, whatever. No, you tell Solomon, and I tell you today, that listen, the answer is found in prayer. It's what we tell Solomon. I can't explain to you why your wife tried to kill you. I can't explain to you why you lost everything for following Christ. But I know this, is Jesus loves you, and he's going to be there with you. And even when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you walk through all hell in your life. I promise you this, Jesus will walk with you. Hang on, because 
this is not about your kingdom. Y'all keep praying. I want. Notice what the text says. He doesn't say, pray for my kingdom to be blessed here. Notice what the text says. The kingdom to come. That's what we've missed. We want blessings in this kingdom. Look at me. God never promises you a great kingdom here. Quit getting mad at God. Your prayer is to be what, Danny? The kingdom to come. God, get me through this because all I know is one day you're going to settle all the accounts and for eternity I'm going to enjoy your presence and your perfectness. Last year was the year that God taught me this. And sometimes the only way you learn with God is the hard way. Am I the only one? Last year, February, I had a heart procedure to save my life. In August, I had a spinal fusion. They put screws and metal in my neck. Now you can officially say he's got a screw loose. Um, In November, I was nearly killed in a car wreck, should have been killed in a car wreck. Should never have walked away from that car. It was a crazy season. The devil was trying to kill me. And you need to understand this morning, it wasn't God. All of that bad stuff that happened to me last year, and we got worse. Five of the deacons and leaders of this church died last year at one time, retired deacons or whatever, and we lost five of my best friends in my entire life, all within one year in our church. All of this was physically happening to me. My friends in the church had literally were dying, and, and I'm just telling you, it was a horrible year, and every metric that you want to measure life with, my life sucked. And it, was, and it was painful. But here's what God taught me. God did not bring about any of that in my life. You understand this morning, there's only one person that wants to destroy and kill me and stop me from preaching the gospel. His name is the devil. The only person that wants to hurt you is not God. It is the devil. Y'all have got to start focusing your attention and your anger not on God. That it didn't turn out like I liked it. The devil's trying to destroy you. And our anger needs to be towards him. So I just prayed. And these five guys that passed away last year, they were my prayer warriors. And I miss it. There wasn't hardly a Sunday went by that those five guys didn't say all they said to me. They didn't say great sermon and all that stuff. They just said, man, we're praying for you. And it meant the world to me because they did. I miss that. That's why we started Gideon's Army. We need prayer warriors in this church. We're fighting the strongholds of hell every week for you guys. We need prayer. It's the kingdom to come. So I began to pray, Lord, my kingdom sucks. I've nearly died three times this year. I've lost some of my best friends. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And do you know what God did? (laughs) And this is what he'll do for you. In 2021, all of that really happened right here. And in 2022, God said, let me show you what I can do when you get out of the way. I think he allowed 
the devil to have all that stuff in my life to show me I can grow the church without you. It's not about Terry Pierce, but let me show you. Our church has been here 90 years. We've ran 100 to 200 for 90 years. We'd hidden, oh, we hidden, we hidden. <laughs> so I'm so smart. We hit about 300 in 2021, largest our church has ever been. Doing it our way. But discipleship, connect groups, and focused on him, get out of the way and let God see the glory. In March, April, and May of this year, kingdom come. God has grown our church from an average attendance of 300 last year to over 450. We've got babies coming out of every department. I mean, they're just, they're, they're just, uh, that's probably not good for the area anyway. And I'm just telling you, our target audience was to get young couples in our church. We wanted to reach the Gen Z's and the millennials with the gospel and because they were, had been leaving other churches. And so we wanted to make a difference and God blessed. And what I didn't count on is millennial and Gen Z's have babies every everywhere. And so I'm just telling you, it's overwhelmed and we're trying to backpedal to figure out how to do the infrastructure to make this happen. But what a problem to have when we got babies crying everywhere in our church. I would rather have that all day long than just a bunch of us old folks and no babies. Because the target was to reach them and God blessed and he multiplied our church. The kingdom is not about me and my health. It's the kingdom to come. Are you with me this morning? And so he says to you and I, this is how we want to learn how to pray. Let me wrap all this up this morning. And he says, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone is indebted to us and lead us not in temptation. You say that. Temptation. And by the way, let me give you these three real quickly and we got to go. Here's what he says. Here's what I want you all to pray. This is the pattern in your life. You do pray over your basic physical needs. Write that down. God wants to hear about what's going on with you. I told him about in the book of Exodus, Moses prayed for the people's basic physical needs. That's cool, legit. Number two, daily spiritual renewal. You, you pray and every day. I, look at me real quick. Is anybody in here get ticked off with people? Am I the only one? Okay, okay. Hands got shut up. Uh, we get ticked off with people, don't we? You realize that that will poison you? Bitterness and anger and frustration over people and circumstances will eat away at you. You need daily spiritual renewal where you just simply say, Lord, these, my boss ticked me off. I'm sick of them. Uh, you know, I can't stand my family. Whatever it is, you need to let that poison get out of your system. Daily spiritual renewal allows God to forgive you, help you forgive those who have wronged you just like he forgives you every day of your wrongness. You need that daily spiritual renewal. And then number three, protection from temptation. Again, this is one of those rarities, but I really don't like the translation on this one, Austin, either. It says, you know, lead us not into temptation. The way the English translation says there is like God is leading us into temptation. That is a lie. That is not what he was intending at all. The actual Greek language here, and this is what I want you all to pray. Get this right, because this is such a game changer. He says, pray that God gives you victory over temptation. God doesn't lead us into temptation. God gives us victory over temptation. Pray that into your life. Trust God and ask boldly. That's how we begin and this is how we're going to wrap it up. 
I have two more points. Be persistent in prayer. Jesus promises to answer our prayers. But here's what I want to close with. I'm going to come back to verse 9 in just a second, Skyler. I'm messing with the media guys today. He's doing a great job. But um, so what do we do about this prayer thing? Some of you, many of you have little kids, and uh, your parents with a two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old, and you long for the day, and you were so called your, your parents, your grandparents, and you said, guess what? They finally said mommy. They finally said daddy. And you went ballistic. Your kid's a genius. They said mommy and daddy. Whoa, you're doing a great job. They're ready for college. Maybe, anyway, never mind. And uh, I was going to say state or Ole Miss. But anyway, uh, so uh, they said mommy and daddy, just kidding. But so, uh, so you're so proud. But you know what happens after about six to eight months of that? Y'all are so fickle as parents. Y'all irritate the flip out of me. Oh, my gosh. I never knew when they learned that word mommy or daddy, that's all I'd ever hear. Mommy this, daddy that, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. I would give two minutes to hear anything else but mommy, daddy. You know how y'all are. Don't look at me. You know, I hear y'all whine and complain about it. You better hang on. Let me tell you, as an old guy, before you know it and before you blink, they're no longer going to cry out mommy and daddy. They're going to be gone. And you'll long for the day for them to just say, mommy, daddy, I need help. To be persistent. Jesus says, your father longs for y'all to be persistent. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Skylar, let's bring it up. We got verse 9. So here we go. And I will tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. Keep praying. Keep praying. It's got to be about him first. Submit to his kingdom, not your kingdom. And then thirdly, tell him what all you need and watch him bring about the peace and the answers that you need in your practical life. Shall we stand? Your Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your message to us this morning. God, you're so good to us. And you love us beyond measure to just reveal to us that, Lord, you long for us to come into your presence. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we are going to invite you to come as we sing a verse of invitation. And maybe you're here this morning and you just struggled. Praying is not natural for you. We get it. And it's okay. It's not natural for any of us. And all we can hope at best is for the Lord to teach us how to do better. Are you with me? Let's do better at praying. Let's get better at prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. If you need to come this morning and just pray this out formally, would you just come today and allow God to begin that process of teaching us how to pray. As we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. 
Again, that's www.triconnect.church.